This is The Guardian. Brought to you by Lexus. Some things do more than their stated functions. Because exceptional things inspire you to do exceptional things. To this select list, we add the all-new Lexus GX. With its exceptional capability, you'll see possibilities you never knew existed, sending you far outside your comfort zone. But as much as the GX challenges you, it also spoils you. Its intuitive technology and luxurious features mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to it. The all-new Lexus GX. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. At the end of June, part of Australia implemented a lockdown for its bees. New South Wales beekeepers are on red alert. The Australian industry is now under serious threat from an imported mite. A deadly parasite of the honeybee, called the varroa mite, has found its way into the country, which until now has remained the only honey-producing nation in the world free of the pest. It's bad news, not just for the honeybees, but for the industries which rely on them. It's been estimated that about one in every three mouthfuls of food in some way involve honeybee pollination. Other insects can pollinate, but the size of bee colonies makes them the most efficient pollinators, something we don't want to lose. So to stop the mite spreading outside of New South Wales and into other parts of Australia, authorities have set up eradication zones, killing millions of bees already infected and have put hives across the region into a kind of lockdown. But how on earth do you keep bees from flying around pollinating and potentially spreading this deadly mite from hive to hive? And if you do manage it, what will it mean for Australia's almonds, avocados and melons? From The Guardian, I'm Madeline Finlay and this is Science Weekly. Dr. Cooper Shooton, you research sustainable beekeeping industries, you're a lecturer at the Southern Cross University in Australia, and you're a beekeeper. So this varroa mite, how bad is it right now? Are honey producers currently quite worried? Yeah, we're definitely all a bit worried. I mean, the varroa mite is, you know, been associated with some of the biggest colony losses we've seen globally, being one of the last major honey producing countries in the world that have managed to not get this mite so far. Yeah, it's a bit concerning. It hasn't potentially got the grip we think it may get, but at this stage, we've still got our fingers crossed that it doesn't spread too far. And what is this varroa mite? 
It's a tiny little mite. It's only the size of a sesame seed. And even though they're really small, when we're looking at them, for a bee, it's actually very, very large. So it's one of the largest ectoparasitic mites relative to their host in the world. So it'd be like you or I having like a basketball-sized tick on your back. It wouldn't be very fun. They bite the pupating baby bees called brood, and they give them physical deformities, but they also spread viruses. So there are more than 20 known viruses of honeybees, and they can spread these viruses. It makes them very sick, and they don't live as long, and can affect their ability to forage, and reduces their tolerance to different pesticides in the environment, and that sort of thing. It sounds horrible. How does the mite spread between hives? The bees are able to move these varroa mites from hive to hive so they they can drift between different hives and also between different apiaries so bees you know they're livestock but they don't hang out in fences they can forage you know five kilometers from where they're living and these mites are pretty agile so they can transfer between bees they crawl from one bee to the other also they can survive without bees for up to five days so they can sort of jump off on a flower and wait for another bee to, and then they hitchhike a ride to another colony so they're amazingly effective at moving across the landscape quite fast and over large distances As you said, they're widespread outside of Australia. So why has this become a problem now? What's caused this mite to come to Australia's door? Yeah, well, I mean, this isn't a new pest. It was first discovered in 1904 in Indonesia. It's originally the host of uh, Apis serrana, the small Asian honeybee. And when it was first detected there, you know, it wasn't really thought to be too much of a problem because it was on a different type of bee, not the one that we produce all our, our honey for and we rely on for our pollination services. But we put honeybees, Apis mellifera, into Indonesia and it learnt to reproduce on the honeybee. So since then, it, it spread throughout um, Indonesia and China, India, then Brazil to Germany, the USA and Canada. Australia, you know, through some of our excellent national honeybee surveillance programs and also maybe a little bit of luck, we've been able to keep this mite out for a very long time. So fingers crossed that we can um, contain the spread. And so how are you trying to contain the spread? How are you trying to stop these mites from spreading any further? So we've got different zones. So there's eradication zones when there's colonies that are coming up that are showing positive for this mite. They're eradicated. I think there's probably been more than a thousand hives euthanized so far. There's a surveillance zones around 25 kilometers from the epicenter. And then the whole state of New South Wales is under a general biosecurity zone at the moment where you're not allowed to move any bees or any beekeeping equipment across the whole state. So there are these closed biosecurity zones, but how do you actually lock down a bee? You know, they're flying everywhere. How do you make sure that this mite doesn't spread between hives? I'm finding it really difficult to picture, you know, when we were told to go into lockdown, we have a sense of why we're doing it. Bees can't have that. Yes, this this is true. And um, but in saying that, though, we know how far they can fly. Um, so they generally are foraging up to about you know five kilometers. But the research shows it's possible for bees to fly up to about nine kilometers. So ten's pretty good bet. So if we find a single um, colony at the moment that's showing positive for these mites, that whole area within ten kilometers, all of those bees are eradicated basically. 
It's mostly about people moving bees. People moving beehives around the countryside is going to increase its spread rapidly. So at the moment, no beekeepers are allowed to move any beekeeping equipment or beehives and that sort of thing. So we're just trying to get a bit of an understanding and a snapshot of exactly where it is. Now, bees are moved across the country because they're used to pollinate this huge range of different crops that are growing. And I know that this is a massive undertaking every year. In Australia, the almond industry alone moves 300,000 beehives. It's the largest movement of livestock in the country. So I assume these lockdowns are going to be pretty serious. Yeah, absolutely. So when when people think of bees, usually we think of honey, but one of the most important roles of our managed honeybees is that they contribute significantly to pollination services. So here in Australia, our beekeeping industry is estimated to be worth about $264 million. That last estimate was in 2019. Um, But the contributions of pollination services amongst 35 pollination dependent industries is worth about 14.2 billion dollars so really critical um, and that's something that's not looked at enough in in lots of ways when you think about contributions to GDP they're a very important form of livestock Um, and some of these crops they need honeybees to be there it's very cold Um, you know almonds apples avocados blueberries different vine crops like pumpkins, rock melons, um, and also for seed production for broccoli, cabbage, and, you know, canola. So, yeah, going to have a really big impact. Cooper, you gave some big numbers there, but ultimately people are going to see the impact of this in their diets. Some foods are going to be more expensive because there's just fewer bees to go around, so farmers are going to have to pay more. Or perhaps some of these foods are going to be less easily available in supermarkets. But turning this on its head, what about the bees' diet? Because if they're usually getting pollen from all these varied crops around the country and now they're stuck in one place with a 10-kilometre radius, surely this is going to have an impact on the bees' health. Yep, that's right. And so most beekeepers, they won't just move their bees from pollination event to pollination event because some of those areas don't have very good nutrition for those honeybees. So they need to be moved onto certain natural uh, honey and pollen flows before they can be moved onto some crops. So beekeepers have to be very specific in the way that they manage their bees to make sure that they're, you know, in good condition when they go onto that crop and so that they can, you know, recover from it if they need to. So some, not all plants are of equal value to bees in terms of their nutrition. It's not just the big industries keeping bees, there are plenty of hobbyist beekeepers as well. So what role are they playing in all of this and what role could they play? That's a really good question. Yeah, so our recreational beekeepers in Australia and even globally have been increasing really fast in the last few years. So in Australia, we've got about 1,800 commercial beekeepers. There's approximately 30,000 recreational beekeepers. Um, and we produce about, you know, about 40,000 tonnes of honey each year. So ultimately, it comes down to everyone being able to have a look in their hives right now and, and work out whether they have a role or not so we can get a good picture of the distribution and the spread of this pest problem. And Cooper, you have a beekeeping business. Has this affected you yet? 
Oh, I have a, it has by the number of phone calls that I've received regarding varroa. <laughs> um, I mean, I would like to have been moving my bees now onto a different honey flow. So my bees aren't looking as good as they potentially could be and they'd probably be declining some of my honey yield in the next uh, month and two that's coming. But the reality is for a lot of commercial beekeepers, for those 1,800 commercial beekeepers we have in the country, there's a lot of them that are going to be very severely impacted by the restrictions of moving their colonies around and that sort of thing. But nevertheless, it's great to see how everyone's working together as a team to try to overcome the problem. So many people's income and livelihoods will depend on the containment. How do you think these measures are going to play out? Do you think you've got a good chance of stopping this mite from spreading? You have to be, you know, optimistic. You know, if the ship was sinking, you don't just go and pull the uh, the timber out of the bottom and go, oh, well, you kind of give, at least give people time to put on their life jacket. So I think in any situation, slowing this down is a good thing while we get a bit of a grip on how far this is spread and the potential impacts. But I think at the moment, the speedy sort of implementation of the statewide emergency order, hopefully we'll be able to get it under control. But in saying that, if you look at the rest of the world, this might is in every other country is incredibly virulent and um, very good at spreading and reproducing. So, yeah, there's um, lots of pros and cons working in favour and the other otherwise. Well, we'll keep watching to see how it all goes. Cooper, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, Madeline. Really appreciate it. Thanks again to Dr Cooper Shooton. We've put links to the story on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. Before you go, the Women's Euro 2022 started last week and there is great coverage of the tournament across The Guardian. You can subscribe to Moving the Goalposts, a weekly newsletter, or listen to The Guardian's Women's Football Weekly podcast to get analysis of the matches three times a week. Just visit theguardian.com forward slash women's euro. That's theguardian.com forward slash women's euro. This episode was produced by Anand Jagatia and me, Madeleine Finley. The sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. And the executive producer was Lorna Stewart. And that's it for today. Ian will be back on Thursday. See you then. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson, Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.